Welcome to episode 5 of Piedmont Crossroads, The Path to Preservation, a podcast produced by the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area Association. I'm Alexander Nance, your moderator and the executive director here at VPHA. Today we are diverging from our regular format of studio interviews to bring you the recording of our Summit on Conservation Easements held at Trinity Upperville on March 2nd, 2023. Sponsors, presenters, and booths at the event included VPHA, Land Trust of Virginia, Conservation Partners, and the Piedmont Environmental Council. The live recording is supplemented by an interview with Ashton Cole, director of LTV. Before we begin, I'd like to explain why we took this opportunity to try a new podcast format. The summit brought together some of the best, smartest people and organizations working in the conservation easement world in the area. It just made sense to record it and pass it along. Of course, the importance of conservation easements to the preservation of the heritage area cannot be overstated. Without them, our green space, historic sites, and unrivaled vistas would be overrun and boxed in by development. Property owners who secure their legacy with an easement do a great service not only to their real estate investment, but also to the continuance of our beautiful area. You will hear about that and more in this episode. So let me begin by defining just what an easement is. A conservation easement is a forever guarantee that the open space or natural values of forests, fields, streams, wetlands, historic homes, and pastures will stay essentially the same regardless of who owns them. And that's pulled directly from the Land Trust of Virginia website. The actual easement itself is a private legal agreement between a landowner and a land trust organization that limits development on a privately owned piece of property. That legal agreement is attached to the deed forever. The landowner still owns the land, but the land trust agency becomes responsible for upholding the terms of the easement document. It is that legal document and the support of state and local governments that make these easements such important tools for preservation. You will also hear on this episode why easements are not just good for the community, but also very attractive for the property owner, and you will learn how to unravel the complexities of getting them. To begin, let's go to the live event and the introduction by the current chairman of VPHA, Steve Price. After that is former chair Delaney Morrison and historian Travis Shaw. Between them, you should get a good picture of the value of the heritage area, past and present. In other words, what's worth saving and why. The Q&A with Ashton Cole, recorded in the studio, will be next for a deeper dive into the easement process. Complex? Yes. Impossible? No. And he will tell you why. We will end by going back to the event for a presentation by Tori Kennedy from Conservation Partners, who will take a quick look at the benefits to landowners, which are considerable. Conservation Partners helps landowners sort through the financial and tax complexities. And now, here is Steve Price. On behalf of the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area Association, I would want to welcome everyone that's here tonight for this program on conservation easements. When the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area Association was established 26 years ago, the Articles of Incorporation said that it was being established Uh, for the purpose of educating and promoting 
public awareness of, appreciation for, and preservation of the historic, cultural, and natural resources of the heritage area. And one of the most important tools in preserving the historic, cultural, and natural resources of our heritage area are conservation easements. And so it was the decision of our uh, board of directors that we needed to continue to emphasize to the public the importance of preserving land with conservation easements. And the decision was made to have a program to continue to emphasize that and to put uh, the information out about conservation easements and, and maybe um, uh, correct some, some, some mistaken beliefs that the public has about that. And so we're here tonight and we want to welcome you and thank you for coming. Uh, our, our moderator tonight is the past chairman of the uh, Heritage Area Association. That's uh, Delaney Morrison, so I would turn it over to Delaney. All right. <clears throat> thank you, Steve. And good evening, everyone, and again, thank you all for joining us tonight uh, to learn more about the importance of conservation easements, as well as more about the easement process and the options available to assist landowners. First, I want to quickly acknowledge our partner organizations in the room. We have the Land Trust of Virginia, Conservation... <laughs> they're, they're sharing a table with conservation partners back there. And... <clears throat> also the Piedmont Environmental Council back on the right. <laughs> we will hear from some of their representatives tonight, and they each have a table again in the back, so at the end of the reception, we encourage you to visit them and ask any questions you may have uh, or at any time in the future. Um, so thank you all for being here. It's particularly appropriate that we are discussing conservation easements tonight here at Trinity because the parish hall and the church were rebuilt in the 1950s thanks to the leadership and funding of Bunny and Paul Mellon. The Mellons were integral in the early stages of driving the conservation effort to protect our countryside, and they were founding members of the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area in 1995. But most importantly, they were among the first landowners to place their property into conservation easement, which is why we are still able to enjoy over 4,000 acres of their rolling hills today. The Mellons set the standard for responsible land stewardship, and we are still touting their legacy as we encourage other landowners to follow their lead. Their achievements and that of many other conservation leaders have led to over 170,000 acres of property being in, under conservation easement right here in the heart of the heritage area, which is the highest number of easements, highest concentration uh, in the country. So we are extremely grateful for the past leadership responsible for this remarkable achievement, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, and that's what we're here to talk about this evening. Everyone in this room is probably very familiar with the incredible effort that goes into preserving our landscape, which includes intense and widespread advocacy and education in an effort to elect conservation-minded officials, influence restrictive zoning and policy, and promote the rural way of life with new and existing landowners. All such effort is critical and must continue 
but unfortunately it guarantees nothing. The most poignant and painful recent example just took place in December last year, when the Prince William County supervisors, by a simple vote, abruptly eliminated their rural crescent, a sacred protected space they established in 1998 to serve as a permanent urban growth boundary. And they did this to open the path for 2,100 acres of data centers alongside the Manassas battlefield. Loudoun County recently did the same on a much, much smaller scale, voting just last month to remove the Red Hill District out of the rural policy area. So we are always just a vote away from losing our protections. I would say make no mistake that nothing is sacred. That is, except for conservation easements. Easements eliminate divisions and inappropriate development while permanently protecting our landscape for future generations. They outlast zoning changes, inheritance, property sales, and the tenures of governing officials. They are the preeminent tool in preservation, the ultimate defense against development. This isn't just about protecting our view sheds and promoting the health of our environment. The landscape is the foundation of our culture, and the rural way of life depends on its preservation. Developments and divisions destroy the integrity of our landscape, which eliminates our gravel roads, it litters our view sheds with suburban infrastructure, and it leaves us with an unrecognizable Virginia Piedmont, which in turn destroys the life in the country that we all love. One simply cannot exist without the other. When I was young, we always used to talk about Route 28 as being the divider between the suburbs and the countryside. And before that, my father would talk about that one light in Fairfax County that would hold him up on his way to Georgetown for dinner at Martin's. Today, it is quite different, and people seem to think that Route 15 is a new, reliable border. But let me assure you all that there is no longer any such protective boundary. One only needs to look at what is happening on Sam Fred Road at Banbury Cross to realize that in 2023, we should assume that every property not under easement are, is likely to become a development. And these developments poison their surrounding community. If you need further illustration of what's at stake, have a look at the aerial imagery in Loudoun County over the last three decades. The story is clear. Unprotected property leads to developed sprawl, and it's moving at a frightening pace. So what's the good news? The biggest difference today from 20 years ago is that we have a wide range of resources that landowners can take advantage of to help facilitate the process and assist with the costs of protecting their properties. Financial concern should no longer prevent someone from pursuing an easement here in the core of the heritage area. Although their criteria for assistance varies, we have available the LTV's, LTV's Deborah Fitz Fund and their Malcolm, Malcolm Baldwin Fund, BPHA's Bondi Family Land Conservation and Battlefield Preservation Fund, PEC's James Raleigh Goose Creek Conservation Fund, and the recently established Piedmont Foxhounds Conservation Fund, all of which are equipped to assist with upfront and transactional easement costs in this area. Loudoun County also just expanded its easement program, raising their landowner income eligibility to 500,000, and they're offered assistance to 25,000 to help offset the costs of the easement process. There are also a number of active, incredible easement holding operations or organizations operating locally uh, that are able to customize easements to meet individual landowner needs while still eliminating divisions and protecting property from inappropriate development. To name a few, we have, of course, the Land Trust of Virginia and the Piedmont Environmental Council, 
as well as the Virginia Outdoors Foundation, Old Dominion Land Conservancy, Northern Virginia Conservation Trusts, and many others. There is an answer for everyone. Returning to our theme this evening, protecting the heart of the heritage area, let's look back to the origin of our founding. The Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area was founded in 1995 in response to a threat that Disney was gonna build a theme park in Prince William County. In an effort to appease opposition, Disney offered to build a museum about our local history for visitors. Well, our founders took offense to the idea and rightly pointed out that our 19th century landscape was one of the best preserved in the nation and that in effect it was its own living museum with la layers of history. The rural roadways, stone fences, historic houses, churches, barns, and mills are largely unchanged and they provide an opportunity to understand how people lived, worked, and connected with each other through the different eras. And in other words, we did not need Disney to put our history into a box and sell it back to us. Over 25 years later, we are extremely fortunate that much of this argument still holds true which is in thanks to the determination of past preservationists and their commitment to conservation easements. Having said that, if scattered developments continue to pop up across Western Loudoun and Northern Falkir, we will no longer have our living museum and we will lose the authenticity of our countryside that draws residents and tourists alike. The heritage area, hunt country, Northern Virginia Piedmont, whatever you wanna call it, will in effect become Disneyfied. History is, of course, what drives VPHA's mission. And on that score, I would like to invite Travis Shaw, our Director of Education, up to talk a little bit more about the actual history that's taken place on this countryside, running right, right along Route 50, which is the main artery of the heritage area. Travis. All right. All right, good evening, everyone. Um, very glad that Delaney used that metaphor earlier, the metaphor of the heritage area as a museum. Um, it's a metaphor that we use often when we talk to audiences like the one that is here tonight. Um, it's an outdoor museum stretching from the Potomac to the Rappahannock and from the Bull Run to the Shenandoah Valley, encompassing nearly 2,000 square miles of some of the best preserved landscape in Northern Virginia. Rather than artifacts to be viewed from behind glass, our museum collection can be experienced with every sense. Our collection is made up of stately homes, blood-soaked battlefields, historic villages, bucolic pastures, and more. Our museum collection can also be found in the living traditions and the diverse cultures of our communities and our residents. This unique blend of landscape, history, and culture is what makes this heritage area special. And if the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area is a museum, then the jewel of our collection is the corridor surrounding modern Route 50. Not only does it stand at the physical heart of our five counties, but it neatly encapsulates the vast swath of history that defines this region. From our earliest indigenous inhabitants to the present day, it is a landscape that has drawn people from around the globe, all of whom have left an indelible mark. The road that we now think of as Route 50 had its earliest beginnings as a trade route used by Native Americans. While we can't say exactly when it came into use, we do have evidence that its use stretches back centuries. Goods and people followed the track from the tidewater uh, tidewaters of the Potomac 
across the Piedmont and through the gaps into the Shenandoah and beyond. European settlers in the 18th century were quick to adopt this route, and by the mid-18th century, it was known as the Ashby's Gap Road, after the eponymous family that settled in the shadow of the Blue Ridge. Others followed in the wake of the Ashby's, using the road as a gateway to the Shenandoah Valley and to the west. This road played a vital role in the American Revolution as a conduit for soldiers and supplies bound for Washington's army. And in the fall of 1781, thousands of British, German, and American Loyalist prisoners marched down that very road outside this door, um, crossing the frigid Shenandoah River and wintering in camps near Winchester. In the decades following American independence, the Loudoun Valley boomed. Towns founded by Revolutionary War veterans, such as Middleburg and Upperville, grew along this thoroughfare. Many of these same individuals were also involved in the chartering of the Ashby's Gap Turnpike Company. Tolls from this turnpike were spent upgrading the ancient road, most notably with the construction of the iconic Goose Creek Bridge. The turnpike fostered more traffic and trade throughout the early 19th century, but there was also a dark side to this area's prosperity. Coffles of enslaved men, women, and children were not an uncommon sight along the road as slave traders from the infamous firm Franklin and Armfield drove their human cargo from Virginia to the Deep South. The same road that brought trade to the region also became a highway of invasion during the Civil War. For four years, the Loudoun Valley was caught up in the movements of vast armies. Thousands of soldiers passed through this area. Twice in November 1862 and again in June of 1863, the area along the Ashby's Gap Turnpike itself became a battlefield. Local homes, businesses, and churches, including the original church that stood at this site, became hospitals for the wounded. Men would have literally fought and died just yards away from where we are now sitting tonight. This area also stood at the center of the partisan war that raged between Confederate guerrilla John Mosby and his Union adversaries. Mosby's rangers relied on a wide network of local safe houses to support their clandestine warfare, which often brought the wrath of Union troops down upon local civilians. After the war, the Ashby's Gap Turnpike was the epicenter of an invasion of a different kind, as wealthy Northerners moved into the area, drawn by the beauty of its landscape and our rich equestrian culture. This influx of newcomers melded with the older established local families, creating a rich tradition of horse shows, including our nation's oldest horse show, uh, horse racing, and fox hunting. The Route 50 corridor can rightly be called not just Virginia's hunt country, but America's hunt country. In many cases, this equestrian industry was supported by the local African-American community who have their own rich traditions of raising and training some of the finest horses in the country. Their impact on local history can also be explored through their struggle for civil rights that played out in the schools, shops, and streets of Middleburg. So one of the most important statements that I ever heard when I was in graduate school was that the best museums are not temples, but forums. Rather than staid places where we go to genuflect on the relics of the past, they should encourage discussion and dialogue about the past, as well as how the past can inform both the present and the future. Part of our mission is encouraging these discussions among students of all ages and backgrounds across the heritage area. 
being able to take them to the places where events actually happened, to experience history with all of their senses, is much more impactful than any in-class presentation that I can give. The fact that I have this luxury in the heritage area is no accident. It is the result of decades of hard work by dedicated preservationists. Within our hands are the tools that ensure that this remarkable natural and cultural landscape will remain a museum for future generations to explore. In that sense, we are all curators of this fantastic collection. Thank you, Travis, as always, uh, beautifully put. Um, so you've heard our appeal on the importance and the background of why we need to protect this historic area, the heritage area. Um, and now let's shift gears to get into the nuts and bolts of the process. And to do that, I would like to introduce Ashton Cole, who I had the privilege of uh, working with at the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area since 2016, serving as co-chair with him uh, as on the Preservation Committee since 2018 and who has been with the Land Trust since 2007 and today serves as their executive director. So, Ashton Cole. Thank you, Delaney, and thank you for speaking at our event, Ashton. Unfortunately, the audio wasn't as clear as we would like, so we appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us for this interview. Now, here's our interview with Ashton Cole. Well, now we've heard about the importance of conservation easements and what is at stake here in the heart of the heritage area. But as Delaney said, it's time to learn a bit about the easement process itself. To do that, I'm here now with Ashton Cole, Land Trust Virginia's Executive Director and also Co-Chair of VPHA's Preservation Committee, who will walk us through the basic steps. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ashton. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, Ashton, maybe you can start by giving us some background on LTV and how it's evolved over the years. We started off in 1992 as the Virginia Alliance for Parks and Lands, but then in 1998, we became the Land Trust of Virginia. And it was that same year we took our first conservation easement in Loudoun County, in the northern part of the county. And since then, we've now got about 119 easements in Loudoun, 45 or so in Fauquier, and quite a few additional easements throughout the rest of the state and throughout the rest of the heritage area. And over time, we've expanded staff, and we have become an accredited land trust, and I'll, get, I'll speak to that more in, in a few minutes. Um, but overall, I think we've, we've grown to be the largest private land trust in the whole state and have the most conservation easements throughout the whole state of any other private land trust. That's great. And you mentioned that you were one of the few easement holder organizations with that state accreditation. Uh, can you explain to us a little bit more about what exactly that means? So the accreditation process started about 17 years ago, and the Land Trust Alliance, which is the sort of umbrella group for land trusts across the entire country, came together and developed an accreditation process that land trusts can apply, and then all of their standards and practices, all of their policies, all their finances, and everything they do programmatically with easements and stewardship is looked at very, very carefully. And land trusts have to prove that they are operating at these high standards. And Land Trust of Virginia was first accredited in 2000, 
eight, uh, right as the, the accreditation process was beginning. And we've been reaccredited every five years since. And that's indicative of the fact that we're, we're operating at these high standards. And there are other land trusts throughout the state that are also accredited. And that's, that's a very good thing. There's about 25 land trusts across the state, and there's another handful that are, are accredited. Uh, but LTV is really the only such land trust that operates statewide. Now, overall, there seems to be a lot of misinformation out there about easements. You know, we hear some people say that the process is simple and easy. Some say that it's complicated and difficult. Uh, so, so what's the answer? Is this a big, daunting task, or can anyone take it on? Well, I think that if you look at the number of conservation easements that have uh, been taken by various organizations across this whole area in southwest Loudoun and northern Fauquier in particular, through the heart of the heritage area, there's thousands of easements that have been placed on properties throughout this area. And it really shows that it is a something that people can do. Many of the folks that live around here, a lot of your neighbors have put their land in easement. It can be a time-consuming process, but it's really step-by-step. Step. You need to find the right people to work with, whether it's the right land trust, an attorney to represent you, an appraiser, folks that, that take their time, know what they're doing, and help you through the process. Uh, and so it can be a little bit daunting the first time you do it, and there are people who have donated multiple conservation easements. But it's definitely something that the land trust is there to, to work with you to make it as easy as possible. That's really encouraging to hear, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for landowners uh, who might be on the fence about taking that first step. Now, another common theme that we hear is that these easements are too restrictive or that landowners who are under easement aren't able to do anything at all with their property. Uh, is, is that true? Uh, no, it's not. And that sort of gets back to what you were just mentioning about myths. Um, there's people out there that think that once your land goes under easements, you can't cut down a single tree uh, or that there's other things you can't do with the property. But really, easements are intended to be living and breathing agreements in favor of conservation, but also designed to make sure that landowners can actually use their property, can you know, make money off of their property, especially as it relates to agriculture and forestry uses. Those are uh, very well supported with easements. And the main thing with all those activities, if there's an instance where best management practices are necessary and common, like with forestry, those are things that the easement would require. Great. And, and now what about size? Does someone have to have a, a large estate of 50 or 100 or more acres to put an easement on their land? Well, it depends upon the organization holding the easement, but some state agencies will shy away from smaller easements, but that's where the smaller land trusts can fill the role. And we have easements as small as one acre. And really, it just depends upon the conservation values and the, the things about the property that are special and that protecting those things will provide public benefit. That could be a small acreage area of wetlands. It could be small acreage of core of a battlefield area where there was a skirmish with you know, in, you know intense activity. It really just depends upon the property itself and, and the context. But properties big and small are, are, are important. And so it just depends upon the land trust that's you can work with to, to protect your property. That's great. So, so now let's hear a little bit more about the process. Can you give us the basic elements of this process and how it works? Well, you're going to start off as a landowner exploring this process and you can talk with land trust. I mean, the key thing is to talk with as many people as possible, but the players involved are going to be the land trust. Every landowner is going to want to be represented by an attorney. Then if you're pursuing tax benefits, you need to have an appraiser that's helping you understand the value of your conservation easement donation. There may be a surveyor involved. You may need tax advice, so you might need your tax advisor. 
uh, if there's debt on a property, you might need the, the lender, like the bank, to be involved to help subordinate. And these are all things that are very doable. And there's a number of people that uh, are professionals that are, this is their main area of expertise. And so that's the, all these folks are part of the process. From the land trust side of things and coming up with the agreement, the, the land trust has an easement committee and a board of directors. And this is true for any holder of easements. And so the landowner negotiates the easement agreement with the land trust. It gets reviewed by the board of directors finally and then approved. And so once all of the other things are, are completed, like the appraisal, uh, you're ready to go record the easement. And that's relatively simple, like any other land transaction. It just happens at the local uh, clerk's office. That's great. So we, we can see that there's a lot involved, but it sounds like the professionals are doing most of this work with guidance from the landowner. Um, so. How do people know where to start hiring these professionals? Well, there, as I mentioned before, there's a number of people that have expertise and operate locally throughout the state, but especially locally here. There's a handful of folks, whether it's attorneys or appraisers, that are known, known to the Land Trust of Virginia, for example, and there are lists of, of these folks that uh, we'd be happy to provide. That's great. And, so, and it seems safe to assume that hiring these professionals is what accounts for the bulk of those upfront and transaction costs that we always hear about. Is that true? Yeah, it is. And so the good thing about where we are in this part of the state in Loudoun and Fauquier, there are a number of funds that are available to help offset some of these costs. And they can range in the thousands of dollars by the time you add up attorney's costs and the appraiser, all private land trusts uh, need to charge fees to support their work. And so all told, you're looking at transaction costs that can again range in the thousands of dollars. But the, the nice thing is that there are these funds out there in Loudoun County, for example, there's an assistance program and that can provide 50% or up to $25,000 of funding to help cover some of those costs. P Piedmont Environmental Council has some funds that are there for helping landowners with transaction costs. And then Land Trust of Virginia has specific funds for battlefield properties like the Deborah Whittier Fitz Battlefield Stewardship Fund and the Malcolm Baldwin Farmers Fund, which is for land and ag active agricultural use. So the key thing is ideally cost should not be a barrier to entry for folks that are considering an easement. There will be some costs, but hopefully they can be managed and reduced as much as possible. Well, that's all great to hear. Uh, maybe you could close by giving us an example of a real-world success story of one of these easements that happens. Well, a great example in unison, and so this is the the we're talking about some historic areas here, the Battle of Unison, uh, right through the center of the village. Uh, one of the key properties we protected recently was the Bob Ellis and Dana Lee Cohen property right, right to the east of Fur Road, and that was really in the core action of that battle. So those landowners, because of that location of the property in the core of that battlefield, were eligible for assistance from the Land Trusts of Virginia's FITS Fund for battlefield properties, as well as Virginia Piedmont Heritage Association's Bondi Fund. And both of those funds came in and reduced the cost such that the landowner was able to financially move forward. With, you know, it was crucial for them to be able to go forward with this easement donation to have those funds and to have some of those costs covered. And so that was a core battlefield property that is now forever protected thanks to those funds. That's great. Thanks so much, Ashton. Uh, and then one last question before we let you go. Is there anything else that you think that any landowners considering a conservation easement should know about or think about? 
just I think in the in the broader view and the perspective of protecting your property being something that provides a legacy for the future. And if you look at the area where we are here in Southwest Loudoun and Northern Falk here, you look at the map and it's you know peppered with conservation easements and permanently protected properties that really ensures that this area will maintain its, its integrity in, in all the different ways that it's valuable for so many people, whether it's the historic landscapes, uh, the availability of agriculture for future generations, all the open space that we enjoy with all these scenic byways, and just being able to know that you as a landowner and you and your neighbors have all voluntarily done this for the benefit of future generations and the collective impact that that has, it's, it's really a wonderful thing. Uh, and I think it's very inspiring. Well said. And again, Ashton, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. In addition to the Land Trust of Virginia, two other organizations joined VPHA at our summit. The Piedmont Environmental Council, like the Land Trust, holds easements along with other activities of their multifaceted organization. PEC didn't speak, but they did provide information to attendees and can be reached at their website at PECVA.org. Conservation Partners, which consults, educates, and handles the complex process of tax credit sales, was represented by Tori Kennedy, Director of Landowner Services. Now here's Tori. How's everyone? Good. So um, Ashton talked a little bit, hinted briefly that there are some tax benefits available to landowners who donate a conservation easement. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, but in order to do that, um, I want you guys to understand exactly what those benefits are based off of. So I want to talk a little bit about that appraisal report that Ashton touched on briefly. So when you are working with an appraiser um, who's going to give you a sense of the values at the start, and then prepare a final report at the end, they're gonna give you three values. And so those are the fair market value of the property, the value as encumbered, so that means the value of your property once you have donated an easement, and the difference between those two are what we call the conservation easement value. And that's essentially what your gift is based off of. So for instance, you have a fair market value of a million dollars, and you have an as encumbered value of 500,000, what will be your conservation easement value? Quiz. <laughs> Very good, I'm glad we can do simple math. <laughs> so of that $500,000, you get, um, there's two sides to the tax benefits. There's a state level of the tax benefits and the federal side. So at the state level, um, and back in, I think it was 1999, Virginia um, adopted what's called the Virginia Land Preservation Tax Credit. And so these tax credits, you are um, entitled up to 40% of that conservation easement value. So 40% of $500,000 is? Very good, good job guys. Okay, so the $200,000 in the Virginia Land Preservation Tax Credits can then be used to offset your Virginia income tax, dollar for dollar, um, or if you can't use them all, um, then you can sell them or transfer them and gift them. So there are some limitations in terms of how many you can use per year. Um, usually for individuals filing, it's $20,000 per year. And for couples who are filing jointly, it's $40,000. Um, and that carries over for 10 years. 
Oftentimes, most of our landowners are not able to use that full amount, um, so they do sell them at a market. And the way that works is you can sell them at a discount to those who are looking to buy high-quality tax credits to offset their own income taxes. And that's usually done at about uh, a 10 or 11% discount. That's based on our couple of last previous year's markets. Um, so usually we, we see 89 to 90 cents on the dollar for those. Um, on the federal side, um, you are entitled to a 60% federal deduction. And the way that that's applied is you would take 60% of that 500,000 and adjust your AGI by 50% and you start that on the year that your gift was made. So for instance, if somebody had just recorded their conservation easement in 2022, they would be using and starting that deduction as of 2020 when they're filing their taxes this spring. And then they get 15 years that they can carry that over. The federal deduction is not transferable. That's only for the landowners to use. It's just the state tax credits that can be sold. Um, there are a couple other smaller tax benefits, um, some at the county level, if you're not already in land use, in most counties, placing a conservation easement automatically puts you in land use, um, and there can be other benefits involved with the state um, taxes as well. For conservation partners, who we are is we help um, essentially manage that really complex process that Ashton mentioned. Um, so we would work with Ashton, we would work with the appraisers and the attorneys um, and the landowners to help them manage that process so that they don't have to do that alone. We're kind of there to make sure that everything is moving really smoothly, really efficiently, um, and also just there to provide some guidance and reassurance as they're working through this. This is a very permanent decision. Um, and so oftentimes people just wanna know that somebody's there to give them a little bit of support throughout the process. And so we also help them at the very end um, apply for those tax credits, and then we do market and sell them as well. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of perspective of, about how much we cover in a year, last year we helped record 40 easements across 23 counties and three cities, so just over 10,000 acres, and three of those were in Warren County, which I know is part of your um, coverage area. So um, a, lot of, a lot of important things are happening. We're seeing a lot of interest in the last few years for conservation easements. Um, so doing things like this where we're, we're able to provide education to folks and, and understand the public benefit and also the significance of protecting land um, is, is crucial right now. So that's all I have. Thank you. As you've heard here, there are a number of organizations in Virginia that hold conservation easements and searching the internet will help you find their names. The groups that spoke or were sponsors here can be found at piedmontheritage.org, landtrustva.org, pecva.org, or conservationpartnersllc.com. The most important takeaway from this episode is that conservation easements are the only protection that guarantee future generations will continue to enjoy our beautiful historic landscape. Politics change, zoning changes, and the economy changes, but easements are forever. If you are interested in an easement, but still hesitant about where to begin, please give us a call at 540-687-6681 or email us at info at piedmontheritage.org and we will be happy to help get you started. And as always, 
Thank you for listening and for your continued support in preserving our special part of the world.